This episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf. Manifest unique family memories at Meow Wolf Denver. Quantum travel is the most comfortable way for Earthers of all ages to explore a playground of imagination. And why visit just once when this immersive experience reshapes every time you enter? C Street is my favorite because C Street has this vibe of like 80s dystopian. There's like slime coming down the walls and there's weird posters. And then of course, the secret club. With the annual Portal Pass, drop by Convergence Station as much as you want for less than the cost of two adult tickets. So if you plan to go twice, it's worth it. Plus, enjoy discounts, special offers, and so much more. Get the annual Portal Pass and spend quality space time with your favorite Earthers today. Learn more at MeowWolf.com. That's MeowWolf.com. Today on CityCast Denver, the price of eggs is driving Denverites to great lengths. Colorado's population hit a big inflection point, and you won't believe the kinds of things your neighbors wanted to put on their license plates. We're digging into all the local stories that mattered this week with a great returning guest, plus a big announcement about the mayor's race. Today is Friday, January 27th, 2023. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the capital of the state that's finally, some might say mercifully, stopped growing so dang fast. That's right, according to the Denver Post this week, Colorado hasn't added this few people since 1990. Our host, Bree Davies, is here. Bree, what do you think about that? I have nothing to say about that. Nothing to say about <laughs> the population growth slowing. I feel like that's I such a like huge change. I feel like that's such a hot button issue, the like old Denver versus new Denver. You just don't talk about it. If you want to be friends with people, you don't talk about population growth. Really? Like okay. to me, it doesn't matter. It's great. Whatever. I, will it make our housing market easier to get Maybe. into? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know how it impacts us, but um, I would just prefer to stay on the side of whoever wants to be here. That's great. I don't know what that means population wise. Yeah. Well, the, the state demographer said that, that the, um, the housing market is one of the reasons why people might have stopped moving here so quickly. That makes sense. Yeah. Because at, at one point it was like, oh, Denver's housing market is way more affordable than other places. But it's just gotten to the point where like it's not as not as affordable. So if you're coming from somewhere with a bigger market, it's it, you know what I mean? It's, it's not competitive. as huge a change. Yeah. Like I was, my brother lives in Oakland and I was like, oh, we're kind of matching Oakland in some ways, which was really interesting in terms of price stuff. So that makes sense. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I like thinking about this kind of data, these like big changes, what, what they mean. Yeah. I'm more curious in like the birth rate stuff, but they don't talk a ton about that. So I think that's another. Yeah another story. Anyway, we might talk about that more. Um, but we have to get into the show because we have a big announcement here at the top. Um, we teased this yesterday, Bree, the mayor's race. Do you want to oh, Do you want to talk about this? Well, I just want to acknowledge that I know politically active folks, a lot of folks that listen to this show are in the thick of this already. We have been thinking about it for for months, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I think the struggle we've had is how do we cover this uh, massive ballot that we're going to be facing equitably and in a way that I think serves voters. Um, yeah, I mean, there was like 30 candidates right. declared at one point. Like, what do you do with that? Well, I, I think I said on Twitter, I was like 17 candidates, which is what we ended up with on the ballot feels manageable when you're coming off of 30. Mm -hmm. But 17 is still a lot. So uh, I... 
Yeah, um, so how do you be fair? That's right. our challenge. How like, do you so be fair? Do you, how do you give one person the same amount of time as the other person? Do you, should we set some kind of threshold, like a fundraising totals? I, like, no. Are there, exactly. Do we say these people are worthy of more attention, these people aren't? I it, Yes, it, this is the struggle. And th- this is what we didn't want to do because I've shared this on the show before. I worked on Kaylin Heffernan's mayoral campaign and we didn't ever meet the f- fundraising threshold. So we weren't invited to a lot of um, debates, but she was pushing issues forward that no one else was talking about. So that's the kind of thing I don't want us to miss out on is how do we connect with those candidates that maybe aren't the big fundraisers, but have really interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you want to talk about our approach, Paul? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm so happy with what we came to here. It's a huge project. I yes. mean, it's it, the only people who it's maybe not fair for is us. because we we're, we're, we're a small team. We're a small team. We're taking on a lot. But our plan is we want to talk to everybody. Yeah. We want to get to know every candidate. We want to hear what's your vision for the city? What's your story? What policies do you care about? What problems do you see? What are are your potential solutions? We want to know everybody. So we're going to extend that invitation to every candidate. We'll be reaching out if we can find your contact information. We'll be reaching out to every every mayoral candidate that's mm-hmm. on the ballot. And if we get here from you, we'll set up a time and we'll talk to you. And then we're going to share that with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, the other races, too, I think it's important to say we'll talk about the council races. Um, there's definitely going to be some ballot issues we're going to be talking about. But I think the majority of our focus will be on the mayor's race. Yeah. Because it's it's so um, it, important. It's pivotal. I mean, if for folks that maybe don't know, we're coming out of 12 years of one administration that Hancock was reelected three times. So this is a big chance for us to see whatever the next version or the next vision for for Denver is. For me, what's really important is I want to hear from candidates what their narrative is. What is the narrative that you want it? Like Pena said, imagine a great city. What is yours? What is your, I, I don't want it just to be a platitude or a tagline, but I do want to know, what do you think Denver should look like in the next 20, 20 years? Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I, I'm, I said it before, but I am so excited about this because I mean, some of these people we've had on the show before who, you know, it's going to be nice to talk to like Leslie Harrod again, Debbie Ortega again, but some of these people I had never heard of before they ran for mayor. Right. And we've, we've already got one of these interviews scheduled for this afternoon. I'm going to go talk to somebody. She is not really even on the internet. There's like no record of but her. But she got 300 signatures. Yeah. But and she did what she needed to do. So she clearly is interested in this position. Yeah. So we're gonna, I'm going to go talk to her, take take this seriously, and, and hopefully get to know her a little bit. Um, also, listeners, we want your help. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Do you have a question Do you think every candidate should answer? Do you have a specific question for Kelly Bruff or Terrence Roberts or Chris Hansen? Um, Send them in. Email us, denver at citycast.fm, or uh, leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood and your question for all the candidates or just one candidate in particular, and we'll do our best to get that in front of them. Our number is uh, 720-500-5418. This is going to be a busy, busy couple of months. I already started prepping my, I'm I'm creating a election survival playlist, so (laughs) I will share that with folks as soon as I've finished building it. Um, I can't wait to hear it. So... You want to give us a tease of what's on there? Uh, well, Gossip Folks by Missy Elliott, obviously. Um, obviously. I mean, he, he obviously. He says as if he's ever heard that song. <laughs> you haven't? No. It's about people talking about you. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking oh, about people. Okay. So, I don't know. Just, just wait. 
All right. I'll roll it up. Okay. So that's the business. That's the announcement. Um, can't wait to get into it. But today, we got some great stuff to talk about. Yeah. One of our favorite returning guests is joining us because she wrote two really fun stories for the Denver Post this week. I believe she was on last to discuss the impact of the Supreme Court's abortion reversal. Yeah. Denver Post reporter Elizabeth Hernandez is back. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Elizabeth, what uh, what do you think about the slower population growth? Have you have you felt that? Have you noticed that? Uh, I haven't really noticed that. I live in Cap Hill, so there's a million people around me at all times. <laughs> um, but I agree that if you know the, if people want to be here, that's great. Um, I will probably never buy a house in my lifetime, so you know why stop there. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's get into our top story of the day. Um, it's the cost of living, specifically some steps people are taking to cut costs in the face of that. Um, in this case, those costs are the high price of eggs. Avian flu, this new law about cage-free eggs, we've been talking about it all year. Those two things have combined. Now I paid $6 for a dozen last weekend. Insanity. Yeah, yeah I paid almost 9 for my fancy eggs. I never thought we'd live in this world. No. People talk about the pandemic is a black swan event. How about a $9 dozen of eggs? Seriously. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, it's not just like, okay, at home, obviously we eat eggs, but like restaurants, brunch places, bakeries. This is like, I'm sure this is impacting people's costs so much. It's foundational. Anyway, um, Elizabeth, you wrote a big story this week about what people are doing to get around this, some solutions people are looking for. I thought maybe we could start with Northern Colorado Feeders Supply. Do you want to tell us about that organization and what you learned there? Yeah, absolutely. So that is a, uh, a feed supply store in Fort Collins that I got to go to. Great place. Um, and so they sell, you know, your typical farm stuff, uh, but they also sell chicks. Um, and they sell chicks year round, which is, I guess, not as common um, as some other hatcheries. And so people right now are really interested in backyard chickens to see if they can maybe cut costs on eggs or just a, a different solution. So they are swamped with business with people buying chicks. So when you went there, was it just like packed? Was it crowded? I got there before they opened. And so I kind of got to see the calm before the storm. And then once they opened, there was a line. They had a red velvet rope to enter the hen house, which is where all the chicks were. And they had like a bouncer outside letting people in. Um, it was amazing to witness. And yeah, people just kept coming to get chicks. Wow. Wow. So what what did you, yeah, tell us what you learned there about this, this interest in, in backyard chickens. I have to say my wife and I have been talking about it. It's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the owner there said that people um, who already have backyard chickens want more because they have such a demand for eggs right now. And she also said that people who don't have backyard chickens uh, are interested in getting them. And so they hold like educational workshops where they talk about because it is a big responsibility and there is avian flu out there. So she said it, you know, you, you really kind of need to know what you're doing before you're just like, oh, let me let me get some chickens in my backyard. Um, so they they hold a lot of that educational works workshops there. Um, they hold the supplies. And so, yeah, they're kind of a, a one stop shop. Hmm. Brie, have you ever thought about adopting chickens for your backyard? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a backyard. So I realized right. in reading your story, Elizabeth, that I can't because I actually have a giant front yard. My house is at the back of the lot. So you can't have chickens if you don't have a backyard. But we did actually think about it. And like, honestly, if I had them in my neighborhood, I don't think anybody would care. <laughs> so Barnum's already kind of like 
people have roosters and you're not supposed to have roosters. So, um, but I definitely thought about it. It is still a lot of work though. And I've had quite a few friends like in the city get chickens. Some of them still actually hit up my friend Jen and said, hey, do you guys still have chickens? And I know she thought I was asking, do you have eggs? Right. Which I realized later <laughs> I was like not asking her at all. I was just asking the state of the chickens. She's probably had that text quite a bit I recently. Feel, I know. I feel like I need to go to her house and be like, I'm sorry, I was not asking you for eggs. But <laughs> she said, uh, I do have two chickens, but they don't lay eggs anymore. So they're basically just freeloading in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, freeloading chickens. But um, yeah, it, it, it seems like an interesting prospect. But I have to say, after reading your story, Elizabeth, I was like, this is, people need to realize this is work. This is not just like cleaning the litter box. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think it's, that's especially true with the avian flu. Like, that's why part of the reason why there is the scarcity in the first place. And it, it is a really kind of serious thing. So yeah, absolutely. Because hmm. you have to have like, a certain type of place for them to live. You know, they need the right environment and it needs to be a certain amount of feet away from the other residences that are, you know, your neighbors or whatever. So it's not just like, oh, we went and bought a chicken and now she's laying eggs for us. Hmm. Um, But what I found most interesting was folks are really buying chicks. So they're like buying into this year and a half, two years before you even have a chicken, like a full grown chicken that can give you eggs. Won't we be, we might be out of the, Is that how long it takes? It said 18 to, to 22 months when I looked it up before a chick becomes an egg laying chicken. Huh. So this is a long term investment. And I wonder if it's going to be like the pandemic where a bunch of people adopted dogs and then went back to work and we're like, well, got to give this dog back, you know? Hmm. So, um, Elizabeth, what else, what else should people know? What else should I know before I. Yeah. So depending on where you live, there are a lot of different rules. Um, So it's important that you look up like there are certain permits you need or as Bree said, like building requirements for the coop. Um, And there's something depending on where you live, there's like a a cap on how many you can have. So Hmm. there is sort of some local research that you should do. Um, And also I was told that before you just kind of Google like backyard chickens or whatever and base base it off of that um talk to someone locally who already has them because you know the diseases or obstacles that you face in new york are going to be really different from what we have in colorado so talking to local folks about what they experience is probably your best bet Hmm. did you talk to people who have done this or, or are doing it what are you hearing from people i did yeah i mean i talked to people who already have backyard chickens who said that I, I talked to a lady who said i just sold the eggs out of my own refrigerator like i i don't have eggs anymore um oh so she's taken this moment to like be now her own egg supplier for people yeah and plug yeah i, like I found it. this app called farmish where people can sign up to sell um you know their eggs or if they make like local honey or, or just kind of selling the local products that you make um and a lot of people on there are selling eggs a, a little bit cheaper than you can get in the grocery store. And so it seems like people are capitalizing on that and kind of connecting more to like local, which is cool. Um, and I also talked with people who, yeah, they said that they're looking for alternatives, that this is a huge hit to their budget. And um, I talked to a, a local baker who said, you know, she just makes stuff out of her. She's a licensed baker out of her house and that this is really hitting her heart. And she's looking for um, local eggs and wants to get chickens because she can't afford. She said it was like almost 10 bucks at Walmart to get some eggs the other day. And that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, what a huge impact. Like that's what, quadruple the price. Well, and, and I was thinking about the other day how a lot of time prior to this, folks I knew with chickens like could not get rid of the eggs fast enough. It's kind of like if you if you plant zucchini, like you, that's then you become mm-hmm. a zucchini dealer. But it's it's just totally shifted overnight, 
And now all of a sudden you have something that everyone wants and everyone needs. It's, it's just, it's interesting when, when something is disrupted in our lives that has never, we've never had to have a second thought about, right? Just go to the store, buy some eggs. Hmm. Not the case anymore. So must have been kind of fun to be one of those people who have already had the chicken coop in your yard to live through this. Yes. Like you feel like a prophet. Like I knew it was coming. I was there. I had I had a feeling. All right, well let's take a quick break and we'll be back with uh, something else. All right, well, we're kind of getting into it. I'll just set it up a little bit here so people know what we're talking about. Um this segment is going to be a little bit explicit, yes, but not in ways that we will always know why. Uh, Elizabeth, you wrote the story this week about uh, the DMV publishing their list of rejected personalized vanity plates. So we got like 200... Uh, 200 rejections. 200 rejections. Um, but this actually, this whole process is kind of interesting. So before we get into like what some of these plates were, Elizabeth, can you explain like why this happens what what even this is who are the overlords of yeah. the personalized license plate yeah so there's this there's this sort of internal software system called drives um and they it's compiled of a list of like offensive words from around the country that other people have tried to use um and also against just like national standards of i guess offensive words um <laughs> and so when someone applies for a plate they run it through this software system and see if it pings any red flags, I guess. Um, So, and then there's also like a human committee who kind of meets and goes over um, if if something gets rejected, I guess they kind of talk about it and have a little, there's a a two-thirds majority vote to get off the offensive words list and people can appeal this. So (laughs) it's kind of one of those like beautiful bureaucratic things that's just kind of really funny. It just, it just is funny. I mean, are people fighting over these? Like, are there people people, going in front of this panel? Appeal their I have to have, you know, uh, ween. I have to have my ween (laughs) license plate. Like, you can't reject that one. I did ask about that, and I was told one person last year did appeal, um, but then I guess the DMV worked with them so that they could have a different version of whatever they wanted. I asked what it was, but they said, you know, I I couldn't know that to to not out this person, which was kind of sad, but I understand. Um, But, yeah, so there was one appeal last year, but they got it sorted out. That's so weird to me. This whole thing, honestly, is like so bizarre to me. I'd never have understood the impulse to get a vanity plate. I, I, I mean, the li- this list in particular of the not safe for license plates mm-hmm. taps into my sort of like Mad Magazine, Beavis and Butthead-ish humor that I like, uh-huh. that's really at the core of things I think are funny. So I, I think it's amazing that people have put forth like Tite or Anus Tart, a new start if, if you're a Rust Development fan. But um yeah, I agree. I kind of am with you, Paul. I've never really thought that hard about like, this is really what I want to convey to the world through my license plate. Yeah, I don't have that impulse. Like, this is not a, a, a place I want to express myself or like make a political statement, <laughs> which was one of them that I thought was really weird. And this is also like, I'm probably taking this too seriously, but someone wanted to, they got this rejected. Um, I already said this was going to be explicit. Someone wrote, fuck Biden. And this was oh, rejected. I mean, the fuck part I get, but like, I don't know. What, why do you think that was rejected? Is it for the it being explicit or the political message? I don't know. I mean, there were a lot. Of, I feel like anything with yeah. any 
fuck or yeah. insinuation of but i mean maybe you could you could get away with go brandon probably, probably. right i could see somebody turning this into a political issue 100%. like take away my i mean they speech. did they vetoed vote which i thought was yeah weird, but, yeah i didn't see know, that one yeah vote vote was a no and i wonder why i would love to know the reasoning why yeah too political maybe i don't know yeah it's so bizarre. It's so weird. I asked my husband, I was like, Greg, what would you put on a personalized license plate? He was like, why would I get a personalized license plate? Like, what if I do something illegal? It's like super easy to find me. You're mm-hmm. just like the guy with the license plate that says like <laughs> the guy that cut me off the other day and his license plate said ways out. And I was like, well, this guy's from Denver, obviously. But like, I know of, I know how to find ways out now. because This is the guy in the giant truck that cut me off. So it does seem like kind of like a weird tell, especially mm-hmm. if you're a bad driver. Mm. I don't know. I've noticed them on Teslas a lot too, and I will say they're annoying. <laughs> There's there was one in here, F U OPEC, I think, or something like that. I don't remember, and I was like, that's a Tesla owner for sure, because they're always like F U gas, and it's like, ooh, look at you, great. Um, Elizabeth, did you have a, did you have a couple of favorites on the list? Um, I did. I don't think I can say those uh, right now, but. It was great trying to decide which ones to get in the newspaper and, and which ones oh. I could do. Oh, yeah, what you could um, put in the newspaper is yeah, a whole other story. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, but some one that I just thought was kind of fun, funny was High Ugly. Yeah, um, I like that one too. Which was like not as, so vulgar that I couldn't include it in the newspaper, so that was good. Um, a lot of uh, mis- like F-boy was in there. Like, all right, all right. Um, Biatch was in there. So, you know, we got some classics. We got some classics. Yeah. These are great. Yeah. And then there was a lot that were also like racist or just you're immediately like, oh, yikes. Um, So, but some of them, yeah, you're like, like vote. There was EGAD, which I don't know if that means something else somewhere. I I Googled that because I have a friend whose performer name is EGADS. Uh And like, it's never struck me as something offensive. It just means like, it's kind of like zoinks, yeah. you know, like on Scooby-Doo. But. Yeah, I was trying to, f- I was running that through Urban Dictionary. Like, does this mean something I don't know? Um, couldn't find anything on that. But yeah, there's some that you're like, why is this? Why is I don't this know. on here? I did like, there's one, oh God, I don't know if I want to say this on the Please show. do. <laughs> Pussy Wagon. That was my personal favorite. That, yeah. Was, that yeah. was the name of my car in high school. <laughs> I had a... <laughs> 70 Volkswagen bus and on the back in reflective letters that I put there it said pussy wagon I specifically asked my editor can I include that in the paper and I was told that's a great question um and I did end up swapping that out of my own accord but yeah (laughs) to be fair it's a Greece reference I'll just say it's 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 a line in Greece lightning that's Mm -hmm. where I got it from Mm -hmm. but another movie reference that uh I loved seeing someone wanted to have uh Shagwell which I assume is, is from is Austin Powers. Austin Powers too, yeah. <laughs> the Spy Who Shagged Me, Felicity Shagwell. That movie was rated PG thirteen. I also by think the way. that's like cute and funny. Yeah, it's I fun. Don't know. It's nice. I don't know. I did like Anus Tart though. If you're interested, yeah, classic, again, it's supposed classic. to be a new a new start. But um, yeah, there was yeah there was just some weird ones. I oh yeah, but I was I was talking to you guys earlier. I was I drive a Honda CRV. I was behind a Honda CRV last night, and the license plate was Hondita. And I was like, that was genius. Who, that's wonderful. That's like ni- a nice one. So there are nice options out okay. there. You might be turning me around. Maybe this is fun <laughs> to do. I think it's fun. I think it's like, it's this weird intersection. Like you're saying you have to go through Urban Dic- Dictionary, but it's also like, what is in the moment? Like 
F boy is a very like in the moment phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you, you also have to, I see where the human component comes in because someone might, you, you might read something, Paul, and be like, I don't know what that is. Like Fiddler, F-I-D-L-A-R. I'm like, oh, I know what that says. It's a band. Fuck it, dog. Life's a risk. Mm-hmm. So, but who's going to necessarily be offended by Fiddler if you don't know what that is? So hmm. I don't know. It's really based on personal how things ring to you what they what they mean it is personal i wonder what about this panel i'm so curious who makes these choices what i want to meet the like dmv like? i have a friend that used to work at the dmv i should ask him if he was ever on yeah, this panel scoop, yeah i'll find out i'll find out for us <laughs> okay can i also just say like how great is it that we live in a state where there, there's all these like borderline cases of vanity plates that have been rejected, but at the same time, the governor every year auctions off weed-themed vanity yes. plates for charity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you pay good money for the bong water vanity plate. <laughs> but I have to say, why is bong water okay and ween is not? Like ween is like one of the bigger. In, they're they're a band that has a following that's like. Not the size of the dead, but the devotion of the dead. If you know a Ween fan, it's all they listen to. But I guess in in current context, Ween is still just a reference to don't genitalia. Know <laughs> I, I guess don't know. so. I don't know. No, but I agree, Paul. I think it's super fun that we get to have these these weed ones. Well, <laughs> Lay pipe. <laughs> it's a plumber. Bony. Oh, P N E S S. Penis. Genius. See? It's also when you're in behind somebody, like on the road, and you're reading it out loud to someone in the car, and you're like, oh, I didn't, I wish I didn't say that out loud, but this is like trying to keep us from doing that, I guess. Yeah. So. Well, listeners, if you, uh, if you've got a funny vanity plate, we want to hear about it. I do. I want to hear your favorite vanity plates. (laughs) I want to hear if you have one. I want to hear why you have one. Yeah. Why, why do it? Why what are you getting out of it? What's the desire to have anus tart? So leave us leave us your name and neighborhood and, and a voicemail and a on voicemail the, at the CityCast Denver Vanity Plate Hotline. The number is seven two zero five zero zero five four one eight. All right, so it's Friday. We got one more one more thing for you after another quick break. All right, it's time for the official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there. Because as usual, there are so many cool things happening in Denver this weekend, and we have opinions. Adrian Gonzalez rounds up his best bets in our newsletter, Hey Denver, every week, and he's here to give us his top picks. Adrian, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Adrian, that Wrangler vest is just so crisp. I know. You know what I'm really sad about is I never got a chance to wear it during the stock show. Oh, and it's I, like, I think I really made a mistake. It's that true blue denim, yes. a denim vest. You're doing it. It looks great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right, Adrian. What do you got for us this weekend? Got some fun events for us going on this weekend. There's a lot of good stuff going on. The first one coming up, I'm I'm pretty biased too. It is the mortgage burning celebration at Su Teatro, which is happening today uh, at around four o'clock. Um, so if you don't know. Uh, Su Teatro, which is a great Chicano cultural arts institution here in Denver, paid off its mortgage earlier this month. Uh, and they're going to celebrate by burning their mortgage out in the parking lot. Uh, and then there'll be some drinks and a, a bit of a celebration and a toast afterwards. So that's at four o'clock tonight. I love this idea. I love this for Su Teatro. I also think, I've said this before, but if you've never been, this is a great excuse. I always run into someone cool in the lobby at Su Teatro when I'm at a show. Hmm. So... 
you want to meet some cool people, if you want to like get a vibe for Santa Fe, this is like feels like the event you should go to. Also, shout out to Sue Teatro. Great, great job. Yeah, it's really impressive. Um, Elizabeth, how do you feel about Sue Teatro and burning their mortgage? That is amazing. I am actually now wanting to go to that. So it does very seem cool. like fun, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. There's something about like destruction that's like safe and like, you know what I mean? Everybody's on the same page about it. That makes it really fun. Hey, I've said it on the show before. I'm always down oh, you for like a to burn. celebratory public burning. <laughs> Paul's like, <laughs> always. watch someone burn a couch. So, <laughs> I, My wife was sick of me hearing this, but I want all the local teams to win so we can burn a couch in the yard. <laughs> wow. Can I introduce you to the filmmaking of Robert Eggers? There's a lot of <laughs> witchy a big burning couch burner? <laughs> oh, he did The Northman, right, this year? Yeah, that's Big right. Oscar snub, in my opinion. Ah, oh, you really enjoyed it. Yeah. I like the visual style. I think they could have, they, he deserved some <laughs> nominations for the, the effects. All right. We'll, we'll have a yeah. separate Oscars. Yeah. yeah. We, we'll talk about that show. later. Stay tuned for an Oscars <laughs> show. All right. What else we got, Adrian? All right. So coming up later tonight, we have uh, The Death of Napoleon, a play in less than three acts. It is at the Bunport Theater tonight. It is a name your price. Uh, it starts at 730. And it's a kind of a comedy loose, loosely based in historical facts. Um, so if you're a nerd like me and you love to burn on Napoleon, this is a fun one. <laughs> Bunport is also great for like absurdist humor. They are one of the most unique theater companies that I've ever seen. And they've just been doing it in Denver for so long. They always do original work. I imagine this will be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a good intro, especially if you're not necessarily a theater person. Bunport's Bunport's a good good starting point. Same. I feel the same way. I've always had good times at the Bunport. They're so like quirky and fun. And fun. Like if you ever think about theater as like the stiff, stodgy, like Shakespearean, like st- you know, starched costumes. That's the opposite of them. They make all their own costumes. They write all their own plays. They're great. It feels like a community and you're invited. It's yeah. always good. I love it. A little comedy. So the next one coming up is for the Lego lovers. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but after stepping on them for years and years <laughs> at my house, I, I, I'm scared of them. I'm a little traumatized. But this, way, this one, you can go to the Stanley Marketplace. It's Saturday and Sunday. There's a group called the Colorado Wyoming Lego User Group that's hosting a pop-up. Huh. Yeah, they're building a, uh, let's see, a Lego display of a festival or carnival. Oh, cool. Uh, so they're going to build it on Saturday. You can show up. It's all day. They're going to build it Saturday. If you want to just come see it, you can also come by on Sunday. Uh, this is a free event. Can Stanley's- you help build it? Well... I don't think so. Okay. But you can, you can like certainly show people. up and ask. I mean, these are masters at <laughs> I know. work. What, I are you going to jump in? I and- know. I know. I was thinking, oh, this is probably not for kids because my toddler just trashes Ooh. whatever you build. <laughs> you should take them and record it. I would love to see that. <laughs> well, that'd be cool. It'd be interesting to watch the process. Elizabeth, you uh, a Lego person? Are you a Lego fan? <laughs> Uh, I mean, back in the day, I could get into a good Lego. I haven't in quite a while, but maybe this is my time, you know? <laughs> Just jump in there. Yeah. Get Never too late in. to, Never to get into late. Legos. Um, so you, it is on view through 3 p.m. on Sunday. So if you want to come see them build it, go on Saturday. If you just want to see the, the structure and have your uh, your kid destroy it, uh, <laughs> it'll be there through 3. Or maybe you can come destroy yeah. it at 2.59. They should have like a watch them build it, but then... Kids, it. can you can go destroy it as well at the end. That would be great. Um, but hey, that's just another it's public another destruction 
idea. Thing, your paws that, really that's getting up my alley. We don't have a whole lot of burning and destruction. <laughs> <laughs> wow. all, right. all right. What else we got, Adrian? Uh, another opportunity to destroy things, maybe. Uh, speaking of masters at work, this is the International Snow Sculpture Championship in oh, Breckenridge. Cool. Um, so we have professionals from around the world that come into Breckenridge and, and just build a massive 40-ton structure. So they give them 40 tons of snow, and then they put them to work. So you can come watch them build. Actually, they, they finished their building of the structures today. Uh, so you can come through today if you're in Breckenridge, if you're nearby. But they have a viewing week, so you can come see the structures all next week through February 1st. I think they, like, light them and everything. Like, they're, like, pieces of temporary pieces of art. Yeah, they're incredible. I watched the video on their website, and they are lit up with, like, these neon. It's very trippy. Um, could wow. probably potentially destroy them, too, if you have a, a lighter <laughs> on you. Well. We'll see how good their security is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Paul I'm not going to do that. Paul comes through with a snow shovel, just no. going crazy. A flamethrower. Um, Melt. Uh, that sounds cool. I've seen some pictures of this. I've never been to this. I have you been either. to this, Elizabeth? I have not. No, I feel like building things out of snow always like sounds really cool. And if you're really good at it, it looks beautiful. But mm. then you start, if you like are an amateur and don't know how to do it, you know, you start the snowman and you're like, this is fun. And then you're like, I'm cold and my hands are wet. And, and I don't want to do this kind of ugly. Yeah. It's kind of like baking. Yeah. You know? and you're like, all right, let's go in. <laughs> but I'm sure these people are much better they than that. They sound so. like true yeah. professionals. Yes. <laughs> well, that's our four. We got uh, the mortgage burning. We got the death of Napoleon. We got a play. We got the Lego pop up. And then this snow sculpture championship. Where, where are you leaning, Brie? I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm a Sue Teatro diehard fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just like, I feel so energized and excited for them to do this and then to like own their part of Santa Fe. So that would be where I would be. I don't know. What do mm. you guys think? I mean, also Buntport, you can't go wrong. Yeah, that's true. I feel like the mortgage burning is like a moment. Like yeah. that's not going to happen again. Yeah, I agree. You'll never be able to see it again. Mm-hmm. It's one time. But I don't know the death of Napoleon. That's interesting subject matter. You know that I could see you that being really be hilarious. funny. <sighs> they are really good. Lego pop up snow sculpture. I'm a little less interested in. I have to say, Elizabeth, how about you? Where are you leaning? I'm for the mortgage burning. Like what a cool moment and just like a visual representation of such a, a great moment. Yeah, I'm it, for that. It feels like a real Denver. I was there. I love I was there moments. Yeah. So you can be like, I was there and this is what happened and it was so fun. And I don't know. You're right. One once in a lifetime. I think yeah, we should I think go you're with right, Paul. The- it's it's once in a lifetime and it's a it's an institution of Denver and it's a great thing that they have paid off their mortgage. That's that's one of the things that not a lot of other cultural organizations get to do. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my pick. That's actually also when I met Lizzie years ago, uh, at a at an event, a little well, like about oh, that? live zine event. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> Very cool. I love that place. That's my choice. All right. Well, I think that might be it. I, th- there we have it. The official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend. Sue Teatro's mortgage burning 50-year anniversary celebration. Love it. But there's way more where that came from. Adrian's got plenty more recommendations for your weekend in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to 66866. Adrian, Bree, Elizabeth, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks, Paul. And that's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Aaron O'Toole. Adrian Gonzalez writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver, and tell the person in line behind you at the DMV about us. 
You can sign up for that daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. Some of these I don't want to read out loud because I'm like, they probably mean something. I don't know. I do like OMW. Oh, wait. On my way. No, that's different than I thought it was. There was one that was like on my way to F your B, which I liked. Snail AF. That doesn't seem bad. Oh, there's a racist one. Not going to read that. Oh, that seems like a transphobic one. Not going to read that. Uh, I do like Tite. I don't understand why sober AF is wrong. Like you're so not drunk. Right? I do like shitbox. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> not in me. <laughs> These are were they all written by thirteen year old boys? <laughs> like, well, filling out my application for my personalized license plate, nut in me, for my nineteen ninety nine Honda Accord. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs>